You can follow along in your bulletins. Starting in verse 1. Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord in the wall around Jerusalem. The people were sacrificing at the high places. However, because no house had yet been built in the name of the Lord, for the name of the Lord, excuse me. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was a great high place. Solomon used, Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love, and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but you have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none shall, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. Then two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One woman said, O oh my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house, and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. Then on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth, and we were alone. There was no one else with us in the house. Only we two were in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while your servant slept and laid him at her breast and laid her dead son at my breast. When I arose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, behold, he was not the child that I had born. But the other woman said, no, the living child is mine, and the dead child is yours. 
The first said, no, the dead child is yours and the living child is mine. Thus they spoke before the king. And the king said, no one says, excuse me, the one says, this is my son that is alive and your son is dead. And the other says, no, but your son is dead and my son is the living one. The king said, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, O my Lord, give her the living child and by no means put him to death. But the other said, he shall be neither mine nor yours, divide him. And the king answered, give the living child to the first woman and by no means put him to death. She is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered. And they stood in awe of the king because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Once again, I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church, and we continue in our sermon series through the book of First Kings. And um, I want to just remind you um, that um, as we... As I preach, I'm doing First Kings, and when an intern or one of the assistant pastors preach, preaches, they're going to be going through the book of Ephesians. So we're going to be doing an inside-outside thing, and um, I mean, it's our Old and New Testament thing. And um, I just want to um, point out a couple of things. Number one, I want to um, thank Jose Portillo, Portillo for leading us in worship this morning. And I think, um, yeah. All right. Um, you know, being in a PCA, there have been so many times I've been the only black one in the room or the only black one on staff. And so I want to just thank God for our first Spanish-speaking intern here at Christ Central. So thank you so much. Um, and um, <laughs> I've been waiting to do this. And so Anna, his wife, um, new wife, I married um, Jose and Anna. Um, when was that, last week? Wow, y'all still look very tired. Uh, oh, man, I, that joke will never get old. When are y'all going to get some rest, newlyweds? Okay, all right, slow down, Howard, slow down. That's Anna Portillo now, Okay have to do the R. I, I wanted to say your name right because um, at the conference I went to in Michigan about multi-ethnicity and uh, multiculturalism, they said names are so important. Do your best to say them right, even if you have to stumble through it. And let me tell you, that rolling R, I stumbled through it. And my kids tease me, Portillo, you're, you're trying to be all Hispanic, Dad. But I, I was trying to do right by you. Uh, because your name means something. Um, I praise God for, you know, one thing about Christ Central is one of our visions was redemption of all creation, which means that you go out into the world and you make a difference. And this is going to matter today as we look at wisdom. And um, I just want to take this time, I'm taking a lot of time, it seems, to just celebrate Beth Thompson. Um, the CMS principal of the year. 
Amen. We need you out there, okay? We need you. CMS, we, we, we need people like you. Uh, my kids in CMS, please help the rest of CMS. Thank you so much. There are some good principles out there, and we got one in our midst. Praise God. You know, I figured when I decided to preach this book of, first, of Kings, uh, First Kings, that it would have a good application for this time of year with election season, but I had no idea that it was going to apply this well, right? More than ever in this election season and in the season in the history of our country and cities, living in a world of protest and violence and terrorism and economic uncertainty, we are hoping for and looking for wisdom. Wisdom in what and how to engage and think in this world and then and how to really make a difference. And right now, who, who to vote for, right? And we are hoping that we will have and get leaders with wisdom to deal with people and places and situations with mercy and justice. But with that, most of us just need wisdom and how to keep our relationships healthy and know what to tell our kids about social media and for some of us, how much house or car to buy and who should or shouldn't we date and what is your next move in your un or underemployment or underinspired employment? What, should, what school should you go to or who should you invest in as friends and how to just get your finances right and balance and how to get, and handle, get, and hand, get a handle rather on our emotional and spiritual lives. We need wisdom. Today we will look at the role of wisdom in the life and reign of King Solomon back in about 1000, 1000 BC and how the wisdom he had at his disposal to arguably, well not arguably, we see it in the scripture, be the wisest man the world has ever known. How that level and kind of wisdom is and can be ours today through our Lord and wise King, Jesus Christ. There are three things about this wisdom I want us to see from this passage. If you want to write it down for those of you who like to do that. First, all wisdom comes from God above, right? The kind of wisdom we see here in the Bible. Secondly, wisdom comes from listening to God. And finally, wisdom is for doing God's work below. First, we see that all wisdom comes from God above because the God of the Bible is not only the source of all knowledge, he gives understanding in all things. So Solomon has taken over the kingdom. And in verse 7, Solomon describes his ability to do the job of being the king like this. Verse 7. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father. Although, he says, I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered and counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your great people? Solomon admits that the wisdom and, and knowledge necessary to do his job as king the way God would have him do it is not in him or around him, but with and from God who is above, the God of the Bible, the God in heaven. But look why his, why his mind for his profession as king needed to be tuned heavenward. 
Look at verse 8 again. And your, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen a great people, too many to be numbered and counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this? And it says, your great people. It pleased the Lord, it goes on to say, that Solomon had asked this, and God said to him, because you have asked for this, and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for your, yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your, your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. Solomon is saying in his prayer, as king, I have to govern everyone in the kingdom, this great people in every way. And when it says great people, this is, God, I am here to govern people who are particularly important to you. I have to govern them administratively and politically and socially and economically, balancing resources and all that stuff, jobs and programs and military and education and law and order. And Solomon is saying, for that I need you, God, because you, God, are the source of knowledge in everything for anyone, anytime, for anything. And it makes sense that Solomon would feel free to make this request. Re request because God is the creator God, the one who made the earth, humans included in every living thing, establishing a worldly economy and social order and giving the responsibility of managing that and expanding that and exploring that to human beings. That he would know how all things, God would know how all things should be done. Not just morally though. Let, let, me, let me help you with this. Because we always assume, like, it's, it's easy, rather, to assume that God's wisdom is simply about morals and relationships and emotions, right? No, he's got it all. The God of heaven, he is the professor and the street smart hustler in one, right? There is nothing hidden from him, the Bible says. That means there is no theory or understanding or anything composite or any compilation of anything that humans could create or engineer or manage or pontificate upon that he couldn't dismantle, change, refigure, pull back together all over again in a blink of an eye. Remember, as those made in the image and likeness of God as human beings, he is the most excellent and superior being, right? So we, like down here, and, and all we see down here, and that includes all we come up with again at, and, and do academically and socially and politically in our genius, is a God-given genius, right? And that is but a mortal chip off the divine block. A very small chip. That's why the Bible says earlier that Solomon sacrificed a thousand sacrifices to God. All he could possibly give. His sacrifices said, it is all yours, Lord. You are my all in all. That if I come across or discover it or paint it or assemble it or run it, it is on the altar of your superiority and greatness and giving of it all to us. You are wise in all things, God. Brings me to my second point. We get wisdom by listening to God. You and I, 
get this wisdom from above, but it means we must commit to hearing from and listening to God. Look at verse 9 one more time. Give your servant, Solomon asked, therefore an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this your great people? An understanding mind actually means this. A listening and hearing mind. A listening and hearing mind. In other words, Solomon is asking to be able to hear from the Lord in the decisions he has to make. This isn't, now hear me carefully, because we, we love competency, right? We love book knowledge, right? We, we love understanding and getting it all. We love some wiki and Google, okay? This wisdom that God offers isn't about having command over knowledge or being self-competent or confident, but about being able to settle down and hear from the God who is competent and whom he, Solomon says, can take confidence in. Solomon is asking that his mind be able to be tuned heavenward and be tuned into God's voice and leading and direction. He's asking for more than an instruction book on how to run the government. Now, God could give him those things, and I believe he did. He's saying, I want, even if I have the instruction book on being the perfect king, what I'm asking, Lord, is a heart that can hear you speak to it and speak through it. The wisdom from above is a gift. And offering from God for the human race, for leadership. And God gives it to those who ask to, to hear for him, but sit under his leading. For those who let God speak to them and open their eyes to things, and he opens their eyes to things they couldn't see before or do before or get this, or be before he gives them wisdom. Are we listening? He is. <laughs> Do you want to hear? Are you where you can hear from him in mind and spirit? What location is your heart and mind in right now on a daily basis? I mean, look at verses 3 through 6 again. Solomon loved the Lord, it says. Walking, that means living in the statues of David, his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings in the, at the high places. That's not a good thing, but we're not going to get into all that this week. Not too deep. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was a great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on the altar at Gibeon. The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and an uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him his great, this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And then he asked, Lord, give me wisdom. You know what's going on here at Gibeon? Solomon is committing 
all he can in devotion and prayer and worship. He's laying out before God and testimony and calling on God to help him, to give him wisdom. He's gone to the altar. He's going to the ancient version of a worship service and a quiet time. He's not only in a loving relationship with God, but he goes to God and lays himself out where he can hear from him. And it is clear that Solomon hears God when he commits himself devotionally to God in worship and sacrifice. I say this. Because the posture to receive God's wisdom looks sacrificial in our lives. It looks bent and shaped and curved to hear from God. We must ask ourselves, are our schedules and lives and who we are with and who we listen to and who we rely on and what we read and pray and watch and is cultured and open up to be able, are we cultured rather, and open up to be able to listen and hear from God? Because wisdom is his and guess what? He is giving it. So be and go where he is most likely to be speaking and found, right? And the Bible tells us that God speaks to us through the word of God and things like, yes, sermons and Bible studies and prayer and worship and private devotion time and just laying out and laying it all out before God, praying like, God, I need you right now. Like Solomon is doing here, I'm desperate. I am belittled and outsmarted and outdone and too little for my situation. I need your wisdom. And God will answer those who love him and whom he has loved, who are his children and people. But here's the problem for many of us. Unlike Solomon who sacrificed a thousand animals on the altar, we rarely stop and listen and pray for two minutes. We want answers for a lifetime of problems in five minutes of listening. We want answers without taking time and putting ourselves in position to listen. Really going and being where God is speaking, where we can hear from him. And, and most of us fail to be where God is speaking, mainly because deep down, this is what I think, we, we, we can do it and, and just need a little push and help from God, right? We want God to be a co-pilot, a teacher's assistant. We want God to, to play into our plans, or we are just too busy. And we don't commit to sitting still and silent. And when I say silent, that doesn't mean soundless, but silent, which means not hearing yourself and the world, but hearing from God, quieting your soul and mind and letting God's voice flood in over it and, and louder than it is. I will tell you, hearing God, listening in for his wisdom is a supernatural thing. There's nothing in Scripture that would lead us to believe that pursuing God's wisdom is a classroom thing or even a thing of literacy or education or competency. Supernatural. Ready? Because I'm Presbyterian, right? It's a supernatural experience 
where God's spirit is speaking to your mind and opening up your heart and mind to listen. And I must admit, many, especially us busy and sure of ourselves, busy running after our idols, Americans, sad to say, don't experience it that much. Because being silent and devotional and quiet and meditating and worshipful with God is a sacrifice. It's hard. As Solomon describes, it's hard being the child, right? And letting God be the divine parent. But it does and can happen. I'll share with you, I've experienced being able to listen to his voice and this summer in a more dramatic way. I'll never forget it. I don't know why I was feeling on vacation, just like I needed to just hear some scripture. You know, I'm seminary trained, so when I look at the scripture, sometimes I can't help but exegete it and start thinking about sermons and all that stuff. That's really bad. I need to change. My heart needs to grow up a little bit, right? But I decided, okay, I'm going to listen to the Psalms on my iPod. The drama one, dra- I can't see dramatized eyes. So I, dramatized, thank you. Ain't no C in there, dramatized version. They got the music going. I get all mental if I read. And I was going through a super hard time of decisions and consequences that I was not going to survive on my own. And that word just played and played. And I just sat there and listened, and I sat up to talk to Kelly about it. And words of gold, spiritual words applied to my situation, decisions, good choices, right? Settled, even though it wasn't going to be perfect flowed out from my soul and it came from God speaking to me through his word and it wasn't even that the words I heard were directly speaking to that situation but God's word being in God's presence praying and worshiping as I listened to the word in the quiet of the morning it went to my heart and then my mind understood and I could speak and speak and act on it it was much like Solomon experienced it in verse 15 like a dream right Like I was out of my mind for a minute. And in the mind and love of God, caught up, drawn in, it happened. And it happens. And maybe not that dramatically all the time. A lot of times when I meet with y'all or go to hospital visits or something comes to session meeting, I am dumbfounded. I'm unprepared by my seminary training for almost everything y'all bring. So I do this kind of under breath, right? Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, Jesus. So if y'all see me pausing, I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to do. (laughs) These people do crazy for me. And I don't surprise myself. God surprises me for you. Because out from the mouths, not just my mouth, but the other elders around the table, oh my Lord, where did it come from? I know these guys. They smart, they wise, they walk with God, but what? That was too wise for you.
but it means listening. Listening, y'all. Putting your heart and mind in a posture of worship and supplication and prayer and humility and brokenness and neediness, which is relating and entering and in again and worshiping God, giving yourself over like a kid hearing from his mom at the kitchen table, right? And God has given to us people and places to hear him like parents and teachers and elders and each other as we hear from and obey and give what God has said and shown. But with that, the word and worship and prayer and personal meditation and the word of God, simply talking to God and focusing on his work in your life and love for you like Solomon did. Look, people, it is time to turn off the TV and cut back on the shows. And some of the entertainments, I'm preaching to myself here. I can't believe I'm saying this. Cutting back on the activities and being selfish and go to community groups sometime. And find yourself your way to Bible studies. You know, that's not what it means to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Oh, yeah, for you it is. Because Sunday's your day to throw the Frisbee. Come on. It is, but it's also the day that this church has chosen to give you wisdom from God's word and each other. Oh, he, he, he sacrificed a thousand animals. Wow, we don't live in that day and age. Yes, you do. It just means you can't watch the TV shows you want to watch all the time. Right? And Wednesday night, and make sure you men you are, who are called to give servant leadership to your families who are so confused, you don't know up from down and loving your wife or dealing with your kids or your job, you're lost. I see you. I'm one of you. You need to find yourself at the men's retreat. Right? Oh, that's not a sacrifice. Yes, it is. It's putting your heart and life in place, any position for God to speak to you again. It's time to turn off the internet and turn on the podcast sermons even and worship music. Yeah, get a little corny, listen to it, right? And spoken and read word because the wisdom you need and God gives comes from listening to him. And the God above, y'all, here's the good news, the God of heaven, the God of Bible, the God who created everything, the God from which all wisdom and knowledge flow uh, is speaking to us. And we are called to bend our minds and our schedules and priorities to be able to pray, to request, and then to listen and hear from God for the whole of our lives. Let me say this, because I, I, I remember, I, it can be disappointing, because when I share stories about what happened to me on vacation, how I heard from God, and all this blah, 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 came out and all that. We get weary in seeking the wisdom of God. This is what sacrificial, this is what seeking, it says a thousand sacrifices, y'all. Solomon made. Okay, now there's two views on the scripture that he sacrificed a thousand animals at one time, or it's saying he went to this altar a lot seeking God, right? If we believe, if we kind of follow the second line of thought, a thousand times, one time out of a thousand, he hears this thing from God. One time out of a thousand. 
That's why I said he loved God and he walked with God. This is a lifestyle. So let me tell you, one time, sometimes it's one time out of a thousand that can change all, your whole life. This one time out of a thousand was the thing that changed Israel's life because he listened to God that one time out of a thousand. So I want you to know, Americans, right? It doesn't come one out of one time. If you're struggling and it's hard and it gets boring and you fall asleep, keep going. Keep being bored and going to sleep and struggling. One, one of those times you're going to go to sleep and you have a dream like Solomon. You hear what I'm saying? I can't promise that. <laughs> it is boring at times. It is sacrificial. It doesn't feel like anything else in this life because what you're getting from God is unlike anything else this world can give you. It's not going to feel like watching a TV show. It's not going to feel like working out at the gym. It's not going to feel like doing your favorite activity or watching a last-minute victory by your college team on homecoming. It's not going to feel like that. It's going to feel like a sacrifice. It's going to feel like hauling another big animal up to the altar and sacrificing it. And maybe this time God not even here and then. It's going to feel like Solomon. What? Man, I can't preach on this because it's going to take too long. Solomon was, wasn't necessarily supposed to be sacrificing there. <laughs> so guess what? It'll feel like maybe you're not doing it all right either. But we do it because we believe God wants to speak to us because he loves us. There is a reason why wisdom here is linked to this idea of listening in our final point. Because God's wisdom is only useful in experience if it's for doing the work of God below to do justice and mercy. Look again at verse 8 with me. And it says, And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. I'm going to keep going. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this? Your great people, right? Um, the word govern or judge in some translation doesn't mean to rule over. Like rule over, like be a dictator, right? To lord over or dominate. It means to judge, as in protect and serve and provide like a governess, right? To protect, to protect God's most valuable possession, to be a steward, to protect the people of God from sin and stop anything or anyone from infringing on the blessing God had for them, to protect them from condemnation and fear and oppression, and to make sure they receive not only God's blessing and justice, but the work of God's mercy that he promised. And we see this in the way Solomon exercises wisdom in dealing with two prostitutes. I don't know whether, I've missed this. I've seen, I know this story. I used to have a little kid's Bible where they had this story. They didn't, you know, you're like, man, are they going to cut the baby in half? I got to see this one. You're like, you know, your kid, you want to see something crazy. But maybe I messed up. But anyway, so, like, I remember this story in my little kid's Bible and the little picture of the two women fussing. I'm like, two women are fussing? No, not two women. Not two ordinary women. What's the Bible say? Two prostitutes. Two whores in one translation of the Bible. See, they don't, they, they, 
They they, they don't play around with words in Scripture. Two unwed single mom hookers is what the Bible wants you to know. Breaking the very laws of God for their country. And the Bible says that they stood before the king. That one who sacrificed and loved God, right? Now, it should have been for the crime of selling themselves and having these children out of wedlock. But they come to the king and the king, you know, speaks to them. That's like two crackheads in D.C. meet with Obama to talk about how one crackhead took another space in the crack house. (laughs) And Obama listening to it. Him taking the the, the entourage, the car, and going down to the crack house. I hear y'all got a little problem. Yeah, Obama, we do. (laughs) It's absurd. We would be mad. We wouldn't vote for him. These women gave birth to their children what could have been a brothel. And to describe the setting, one woman says, we were the only two in the house at the time. Like that was unusual, right? For obvious reasons. And then in the night, one lady slept on and smothered her child in the night and then took her dead baby and put it next to the woman whose baby was still alive and took the living baby for herself. Of course, the mother of the living baby knew that wasn't her child. And here they are disputing over whose child it is. Now add to the intrigue, no one else knew the children and them well enough to be witnesses. They're lonely. These are two lonely prostitutes running their small apartment like a brothel probably, exploited and forgotten by the men and poverty in the city with two no-daddy-knowing and having children. Two prostitutes who were too tired probably from a night's work and partying to wait when the baby was switched and sadly, sadly, to awake when a baby was smothered. Solomon says, easy, cut the baby in half and give each a half. And the true mother is like, let her have him. And the lying woman is like, good idea. Nobody get none. And he knows which one's the mother, the one who values her son more. And he says, the one who said no is the mom and the other one's lying. And the Bible says this in verse 28. And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered. And they stood in awe of the king because they perceived that what? Not that he was wise. That the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. Now, y'all follow me here. It is easy to see this story about being clever. Clever as leather, as they say, right? And it was pretty cool. I mean, this dude is smart. But what was really impressive to the people here, or should have been to you and me, that they served a God who was wise to, to see their sin and struggles, who saw and knew their mess, and still gave and invited and called them to justice and mercy and love and grace through the king. We talking about being, we, we're not talking about being smart or just clever for just being smart because people, we don't need and surely don't need to be just another smart mouth, egghead, self-righteous, condemning know-it-all. This is God's wisdom to do the work of God, which is mercy and justice below and not just being smart or clever because being smart would not be wasting your time with two whores who it serves right living like that and putting their children in that situation. Because smart 
would have been being too busy running a nation or having a big party, right? To, 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 or dealing with special interest groups to take time for two of the worst sinners the city could ever know. No smart would have been to not let the world know that your country had these kind of problems and that this kind of stuff shouldn't be happening in uptown Bible Belt Jerusalem. No smart would be overlooking them because they are women. They can't vote. They can't have no property. They can't serve in the army. They're not important or directly uh, beneficial to you. No smart would be to think, great, who cares who this fatherless child goes to? Put them in foster care. One less. No daddy having child on the streets and throw these women in jail. But we're not talking about smart, y'all. We're talking about God's wisdom, the administration of all God's understanding and resources and positions and abilities to deal out his justice and mercy and love for all people. These women had a legitimate justice issue. It's so hard to see it past their mess. As people who, regardless of the circumstances of past sin, were legitimate human beings. Y'all hear that? Legitimate human beings whose children, though daddyless, were legitimate lives worth giving the full and highest attention because that's how God understands and knows and he sees them. And wisdom says, I want to see and hear and look at the world and people of this world and situations of this world like you do, God. And Solomon uses wisdom to judge and serve and give to society and people in, 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 in his society with God-given dignity, justice, and mercy and honor what God has for them. Oh, you know I just need to let it die, don't I? Don't I just need to let it go? Yeah, but Keith Lamar Scott was shot and killed by a police officer. And I'm not here to discuss all the, who, whether it was right or wrong or with the gun. I'm not here to discuss all that not getting into that. But what was troubling after it is whether the shooting was just, just like it was for Michael Brown, St. Louis, and Trayvon Martin, because of whether they had weed or a criminal record. And there was even a Facebook post from a believing friend I know and love that says something to the effect of, well, since we found that he had a criminal record, all that protest stuff was for nothing. In other words, humanity and justice and mercy and the resources to go into affirming and confirming our humanity is suspended and held back if we are sinners. <laughs> or we're guilty of something else. That's not just unwise. That's stupid. And God doesn't want us living in sinful stupidity in ways that will condemn and hurt us as people. See, wisdom works to break our, let me use this word again, stupidity and change our hearts and minds so we can see through our self-righteousness and see through our small-minded judgmentalism, right? And I'm not talking about judging right by the word of God. I'm talking about small-minded, self-righteous, no grace-knowing blindness. God's wisdom comes and he breaks through that. Look, 
I'm not saying things ain't complicated. I'm actually saying they are. It's complicated that someone has a criminal record. It's complicated that if he did have a gun, the gun he did have might have been stolen and bought illegally. That's all complicated. It's complicated when the person given, you know, they go, hey, did you see it? Yeah, I see it. This is what happened. Oh, the person who just gave that testimony, they're a crackhead, can't listen to them. What? It's just complicated. I'm saying it is complicated. But you need, that's why you need the wisdom of God. Who can, that can somehow find justice and mercy in very complicated situations in your life, in the world around you. See how complicated that is? Anybody want to get up and speak definitively on what happened? And what's going on in this country? And speak up, get up and speak definitively about every single thing the president should do, the senator should do, the mayor should do, and the chief of police should do? No! And if you do, I'm going to tell you to sit down. Because I can tell you to spend enough time praying, right? For your role in it. See, here's the irony of the gospel. When people are treated in love with the wisdom of God, of God seeing and knowing everything about them and still giving them justice and mercy they morally don't deserve, guess what? Here's the irony. They learn. We learn. When we're treated with the wisdom of God, of God seeing and knowing everything about us and still giving us justice and mercy, we wise up. You don't get wise unless you know God's wise, and wise caring and leading of your life. How do you think Solomon was so wise in dealing with these women? Anybody know? How? Will we grow wise in dealing with the complex brokenness and injustice in the world? Look back, back at verse 3. I am going to close here, but I, I, you got to get this. I tried to speak slow, more slowly today, y'all. So that's why it's a little long, even though my notes are shorter, okay? I'm working hard to not be so long, y'all. But it's too important. Sacrifice is just hanging in with me, okay? Solomon loved the Lord, Lord, verse 3 says, and walking in the statutes of David his father, only he sacrificed and made offerings in high places. And the king went to Gibeah and the sacrifice there, for that was a great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on the altar, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, ask what, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father. Mm, this is awesome. Because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and an upright of heart towards you, and you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. Why did Solomon's wisdom lead him to do what only God could and with, with these broken and socially taboo mess with the lowest of society? Do you see it? Some of you who know this story, Solomon's story, do you see it? Don't you know that Solomon's older brother was a fatherless child? Born out of wedlock? Because his mother Bathsheba was abducted and sexually assaulted by King David, who was, of course, more powerful than she was. And that older brother, born from that sexual assault, died 
in infancy because of the unwise sin of his father, David. He comes from a family not too different than these women with this issue. And the Bible says after that and into that Solomon was born to the same sexually assaulted mother and objectifying father to be the king of Israel. In fact, Solomon's name means beloved of God, which would mean he was seen and known by the wise justice and mercy and grace of God. Solomon was wise, y'all, and given wisdom from God and used wisdom from God with a heart and life that experienced the wise justice and mercy and grace of God for his own life. And that made him wise to the wisdom of God. Wisdom is not an article to be bought or sold or bartered. It is communicated. It is passed on in relationship and treatment and how you are treated and how you are known and understood and seen and discerned and handled wisely by others and, of course, by your God. You and I have made some stupid mistakes in our lives. We've all made bad decisions. We will or may have slept with who we shouldn't have. We might have been like the lying woman, lied, and, and, and we've lied and done underhanded things in the darkness. And, and like the woman pleading her case, many, many of us have had things done in the dark to us, sexual and emotional and spiritual abuses. We have had our dignity moved from us. Some of us have, were children in a house that was lacking knowledge and wisdom and filled with all sorts of degradation and abuse and neglect. Some of us are, are not even in the picture. We have fathers and mothers of, we are fathers and mothers of sin. We have come in and out of relationships and left behind children. And I'm talking literally and metaphorically. We have in our greed and heaviness and oppression, we have literally smothered people like this woman, her son. With our selfishness, we have helped to create and foster situations like these women find themselves in. Some of us are financially and spiritually and organizationally and scientifically a mess. And our sin is all mixed in. But good news for you. And for Solomon too, who even in this chapter can't go into it this week, made some unwise decisions. We can come and be made wise by, right, into the mercy just of God for broken people just like you and me. We can go to the throne of our king, Jesus, and say, Lord, look at my situation. Look at the mess I've made. Look at how much stuff's in the dark. Look what kind of history I got. Look what kind of situation I got. Lord, could you be wise for me and give me the wisdom that your grace and mercy alone gives? Because like these two prostitutes and Solomon did in marrying the Egyptian princess in verse 1 and sacrificing on the high places in verse 2, we have sold out to get ahead unwisely and it has cost us. And like Solomon, we might be smart and a little wise, but it's not enough. So God sent his son Jesus to be the forever Solomon to see to discern, 
to hear and bring mercy and justice and love of God for whores and sinners and greedy and selfish who take all they have and are act and act foolishly with it and he gives us his attention he hears our case he sees you as a human being made in the image and likeness of God but broken and damaged by sin and he has known us and knows us with the wisdom of God Jesus hears us when we speak and sees us even when we can't know and see and hear what is really going on You will never be wise if God has not been wise for your life and for your sin. You see, in Solomon's story, in the story of these women, one son died so that one could live. One son received the due penalty for sin so that one could know redemption. One son received the justice of sin so that one could know mercy. One son was called and treated like a bastard so another could be called son and daughter. You know what the world would cause? Call the decision by God to let his perfect innocent self and his son die so the prostitutes and greedy and selfish and haters of God and could be known and known as sons and daughters of God, they would call it foolishness. Not smart. But the Bible calls the gospel the wisdom of God for those being saved by it. And the gospel changes how we think and understand and engineer and relate and explore and know and learn and see. I leave you with this. People of God, put your phone on silent before you come in. <laughs> and, and, ask for wisdom. Pray for it. Seek him for it. He has it and he gives it for everything in every situation. Put your life, come, put your life before the wise King Jesus. He sees and he knows and he understands and he gives mercy and justice for broken people just like you and me. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wisdom of God. No one is wise to our situation like you are. No one saw how we were treated when we were young. No one sees the despair and fear some people have in living in this country and the skin they're in. No one knows the greed and selfishness and the penalty and, and just hurt of all that like you. You're wise to us. And I pray that you be wise for the people in this room. Lord, if there are those who don't know you today, I pray that they would be silenced in their own thinking, in their own wisdom, in their own smarts, and they would seek the wisdom of God. Help us all come again, Lord. It's so difficult, but help us to turn the TV off a little bit. Help us to put a little bit of time aside. Help us, Lord, to experience your Holy Spirit in profound ways 
and sometimes, Lord, more often, just quiet ways. <laughs> it's hard to hear and it's hard to sit. But you promise that you're there. Help us to bring this message of grace and mercy and justice to the world, we pray in Jesus' name.